It is Monday, May 9th. I hope all of you are having a great week, a great Monday, and I hope all of you had a great weekend as well. My name is Janice Scurrio. I am the host of the CHGO Sky podcast, or at least one of them. Sabria Whitaker is in Indianapolis uh, doing stuff and things down there. But never fear, I do have an awesome guest here in Sabria's stead. We have Chris Pennant from the Skyhook podcast joining us live in the studio with a really great hat. It is a Southside Mondays. So definitely the, the, the City Connect White Sox hat, I'm definitely digging. Thanks, Janice. I appreciate <laughs> it. This was actually the best hat I had to contain uh, my unruly afro at the moment. So <laughs> the next time, if I get on the next time, it'll be a little bit shorter. So maybe a different hat. <laughs> So uh, Chris and I, are we actually met through White Sox Twitter, uh, yep. so I, I, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, so anyway, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, so as the title of the show uh, is, the sky fell to the sparks at home on Friday, 98-91, in the season opener. Uh, but a uh, quick re- recap of last episode, uh, Brittany Sykes uh, from the Sparks was actually very kind enough to join us and give us a little bit of behind-the-scenes look on on her off-season routine. Uh, there is no off-season, though. Uh, kind of what she does to prepare for every game, uh, as uh, things she enjoys about Chicago. We always ask every guest on the show like what they love most about Chicago. So actually, let, let's go ahead and kick off, kick, kick off the show with that. Chris, what do you love most about this city? That's tough. Um, <laughs> it's usually food-based, so it doesn't have to be food-based. could be anything, but... I will say it's not food-based. I mean, having grown up here... Lived most of my life here, except for a brief five-year sojourn downstate in Peoria. Shout out, Bradley. Um, <laughs> I grew up in South Shore right by the lake, so I think mm. that first uh, spring, or in our case, abbreviated spring-summer day, where you smell the water coming off the lake and it hits that fresh-cut grass, that's my favorite thing about Chicago, that smell of Lake mm. Michigan. And I know that some people might say that's not the greatest smell, <laughs> but there's something so familiar and uh, loving about it. I just, I, I can't wait to, to smell it when I get back. Oh man, check out Carl Sandberg over here. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things too. I especially love just like the first warm day of the year, which is probably today. Uh, just, you know, the sun hitting my skin, uh, just cruising down the Dan Ryan with the um, windows down. Uh, just, yeah, just enjoying the vibes. Uh, so, Chris, uh, you are the co-host of the Skyhook podcast. Uh, so you co-host that with James Kay. Uh, actually, listening to both of you was my gateway into the Sky fandom. Really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as some of you may know, I'm a relatively new Sky fan. Um, I jumped fully on board. I jumped on the bandwagon like around uh, around this time uh, last year when uh, Candace Parker, uh, actually no, Candace Parker signed in like February, but it was around that time when she signed when I was like, yes, I need to finally just get involved and become a Sky fan full time. Like I, I'm, I'm going to go just, uh, just into the deep end here. Uh, so yeah, can you tell me a little bit about the history of your podcast, how you and James kind of ca- uh, came about and uh, yeah, just kind of the story there behind that. Well, James and I were doing separate podcasts. He had the Skyhook, and I was doing uh, what I called Above the Clouds for War Media, uh, Kyle Means, uh, who'd started that outlet and all the guys there. And back in 2015, I pitched an idea to Kyle about going and covering just one Sky game when they were still at Allstate because Elena Della Dunn was in her really historic season where she was on the cusp of averaging uh, 50% field goal shooting, 40% three-point shooting, and 90% from the free throw line. Whoa. She had just been um, MVP, I think, 
the season, no, this, that season she got the MVP award. And the Sky were coming off their last finals appearance before last year in 2014 where they lost to Phoenix. And I went to that game, and I can't recall who they played in that particular game, but there was just something about the team, watching Courtney Vandersloot and Allie work together along with Elena, um, Tamara Young, who's still one of my favorite players, uh, and Jessica Breland. And I, I remember they had Ray Clay as the PA announcer, and Jessica Breland went to North Carolina, so as every Chicago kid knows. <laughs> From North Carolina. I realized I, that I was going to hear that in person for the first time, <laughs> and something just like caught in my chest. And I, I, told, I came back and I wrote the story, but I told Kyle, I was like, hey, can I cover this team? And so I, I took my Malibu or the train out to Allstate every few days and got back home at 2 a.m. and would just write these recaps, but I realized I was staying up to watch whatever I could and then I've, I've been a fan since. So James reached out to me about combining our efforts, and I've been on the Skyhook ever since then. Whoa, with your powers combined. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are Captain Chicago, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, and James is an incredibly talented journalist that I had the pleasure of meeting uh, this weekend. And actually, like, I actually met you for the first time this weekend as well. Yeah. Like, like I, I know we've been talking for a little while. Like, because of White Sox Twitter, I mentioned earlier that that's where we had originally met. And then you had me on your podcast. Right. Uh, wh what's good radio, right? Yeah. 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 I, again, I appreciate you for coming on that. <laughs> it was that was such a, a pandemic kind of uh, ballast talking to people about what they find good in the world while we're in the midst of this global pandemic. So. It was cool having you on for that, and then we finally got to meet in person in a work environment setting uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed talking about uh, what's good with you. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember what I said. Uh, I, I definitely was, it was around the time where a lot of uh, attacks on Asian Americans were right. uh, on, the, on the rise uh, just because of the pandemic. And so I definitely spoke out a lot about that and how that was affecting me personally and how I had concerns for elderly family members. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it was really great to kind of get that off my chest because I typically don't get a venue to really vent about a lot of those issues. So, uh, yeah, in retrospect, yeah, I, that, that was a really great time. And, yeah, ag again, thank you for having me on. I'm glad, I'm <laughs> glad you were able to have that, that place to get that out. Absolutely. So uh, CHGO uh, had a presence at the game on Friday. Uh, so uh, Chris, can you tell me your experience with like just covering live games? I know like I, I sat behind you uh, like in the presser and I was a little shell shocked. I mean, that, that, that was my first time ever doing that. So uh, just having to be that close to Coach Wade and of course with a Slude and Dana just like just feet away from me where, you know, the world was my oyster. I, I could have asked them anything. Um, of course, like I, I was a little too scared. So I figured that I would just be a fly on the wall and just kind of soak things in but otherwise uh say uh say w what has been your experience covering live games and kind of like talking to players and talking to coaches well for the sky in particular it's been it's been uh cool to watch the growth and, and it's funny to think that it's been seven years or so since i first covered a game because when they were at Allstate in 2015 you know the wnba had been in existence for 18 years at that point and there was still a really, really minimal presence in the press room. Um, Patricia Babcock-McGraw was the play-by-play -play broadcaster for the team at that time and worked for the Daily Herald, so she wrote stories for them. And she's you know, a former college basketball player. So she was in the press conference. I was in the press conference. There was a photographer there and maybe one other person, depending on the night. And so Patricia got the first few um, questions 
after Pokey Chapman did her game rundown, which was which was really honestly good because then it laid out anything that I might want to ask. But there were just a few of us in there, and then when they went to the playoffs that season, the game at UIC, and you, you, once you talk to people, they'll say the same thing. That's when people came out. Jim Rose was there. Sarah Spain was there. Mm. And it's gone from those games in the small room at Allstate to the press room at Wintrust, which is miles different. Yeah. And even in the first game of the season, uh, even last year, there was such a, a greater presence. Um, my colleague Josh Hicks, who also works at War, um, Kyle went out to a few games. Tony Gill was there last year a few times. And then, of course, the stalwarts, James, um, Madeline Kenny, before she changed, uh, before she moved to a different paper. Then Annie Costable took over in the Sun-Times beat. Um, and Maggie Hendricks for The Athletic and now Bally's. So I think the, the other difference is that, uh, fortunately and you know, unfortunately, I guess, a silver lining in, in a dark cloud, it seems like the pandemic, plus um, being, having to be away from uh, his son Jet for some time, gave James a way to new perspective because he was, he's always been cordial with us. But there were some days where you could tell he was very much wrapped up in what had just occurred if the sky lost. Mm -hmm. And even though he's still all for the team, he's not going to reveal everything. Of he's course, a yeah. lot more playful in pressers. Uh, the quote that he couldn't remember on Saturday <laughs> about the size of the dog in the fight, that was something I wouldn't have seen before last year. Yeah. And I think it, once you get used to it, it, it's so easy to ask the questions. And I, I think there's, there's so much more openness with the league itself. Um, and having Zoom in 2020, I think, opened up a whole new platform for people who can't make games. Absolutely. But then can still get their questions in for their audience. I think from, a, a, from an accessibility standpoint, that Definitely. really is monumental. Uh, so I think it was uh, Zach Draves, uh, whom I met uh, at the game uh, from SB Nation. Uh, he's the one who kind of told me, uh, yeah, after a loss, uh, Coach Wade might be a little prickly. Uh, so I... I can't help but admit that I was a little intimidated by that. And so, you know, just kind of being a rookie myself, just kind of <laughs> stepping in here, I didn't want to just, you know, come in here and, you know, someone he's never seen before, just kind of ask him, like, what the heck was up with that fourth quarter? Uh, but I mean, someone did ask and ask that question anyway. So I'm pretty thankful they did. Uh, but uh, yeah, going back to CHGO at the game, uh, it was me. Uh, I had the pleasure of running into Herb Lawrence uh, and, and uh, his partner, Courtney. And uh, yeah, um, the head honcho himself, uh, uh, Kevin Kaduck, was also present for the game too with his daughter. So nice. really great to see a CHGO Sky uh, outing. Uh, also too, uh, Sabria Whitaker, of course, my co-host, uh, she also hosted a post-game uh, pre pressure, she called it, post-game pressure at Williams Inn. So uh, yeah, really fantastic event there, raising money for her organization, Grow the Game. And uh, Chris and I were both there, actually. So I'm sure Sabria will be throwing uh, after parties in the future, too. So definitely stay tuned and keep your ears to the ground on that. So uh, yeah, just the entire, uh, like having that, having uh, attended my first WNBA game since the finals, just the absolute like electricity coming through the arena was fantastic. And uh, yeah, just the crowd was electric. Everyone was so pumped up. Everyone was so excited about this Sky team. Yeah. So what did you think about the crowd, Chris? It was great. I think there was there was a game last year right before the Olympic break uh, they, where they played Washington, the Mystics. And unexpectedly, 
there was uh, the same weekend there was a high school basketball uh, tournament or clinic for uh, for young women. So there was a lot of um, young players there, and then it seemed like it just became an event. Like yeah. uh, David Aldridge was there randomly from TNT. I saw him in the crowd. There were a few other um, notables. Lori Lightfoot's a season ticket holder, but of course she was there. And the place was packed. It was a game that went to overtime. This guy ended up losing that one. You know, it was an up and down season. But it reminded me a bit of that crowd. Um, it was for opening night. It's the most excitement I've seen for sure. Uh, and you could, you could tell there was a palpable excitement. People came who were supporting the Sparks too, who came from out of town. Mm-hmm. And as things wound up in the fourth quarter and things were, and the game got tighter, everybody was into it. There was complete focus from the crowd. They were hanging on everything. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I kind of looked like that uh, Lenny Simpsons meme where I was just you know, <laughs> hyper-focused, just leaning in, just trying to absorb everything. And while at the same time, just also trying to pay attention to the vibes of the crowd, like right. how, how they, they, they were responding. Uh, so it, it, it was just really incredible. Uh, so a shame that the sky couldn't uh, hold it out and close it out in that fourth quarter, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about an old friend uh, whom I am trying to represent today on the pod. So if you can't, uh, for those of us who aren't watching on YouTube, I am wearing a Diamond to Shields jersey. It was actually the first piece of Sky uh, merch that I ever bought. Uh, So I bought it right at the beginning of the season uh, from Dix because the only jerseys they had were the Sloot jersey and the the Diamond jersey. And so... Point of contention. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, yeah, just learning a little bit about Diamond and uh, like me just having a baseball background. I know her brother Delino uh, played plays for the Reds. I, I think he still plays for the Reds. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I definitely had to represent Diamond. And I also know uh, that uh, because of her connection to Billy Hamilton, uh, she's she's also a White Sox fan, or, or at least was. Maybe she still is. <laughs> I, I guess for the sake of this pod, we will say that Diamond is still a White Sox fan. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, she did take a tunnel fit picture uh, in a White Sox jersey, though. I remember that. Yeah, so uh, I, 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 that is etched into my memory. Uh, but uh, just a few days ago, a document documentary slash story came out uh, done by Holly Rowe. And that, uh, yeah, just 21 months before winning a WNBA title with the Sky, uh, Diamond Shields had a tumor removed from her spine that left her with tremors and relearning how to walk. And I had no idea. Uh, she essentially just went through this uh, ordeal uh, out of the public eye. And uh, yeah, she kept everything private. Uh, She said in the documentary, I didn't want it to be used against me, which I thought was absolutely like, wow, that hit me. Uh, But yeah, an MRI revealed that she had a grape-sized tumor in her spinal cord and she underwent surgery at the University of Chicago. And this was uh, the the spring of 2020, if I remember correctly. Uh, Yeah, Uh, she noticed something was wrong uh, when she was playing overseas. Uh, Someone bumped her and then uh, uh, she went, she visited a chiropractor and uh, she had an MRI done and that's when they found out she had a tumor. So the tumor was benign, it had to be removed. Uh, But of course, too, uh, one of the possible complications is paralysis, just mainly because uh, they would have to operate around the nerves inside the spine. But of course, too, if the tumor was not removed, it could also cause paralysis due to pressure on the spinal cord. Uh, So after she had the tumor removed, it left her with involuntary spasms, uh, grueling months of rehabilitation, and uh, she even considered retirement. So uh, yeah, uh, it it just seemed as if 
life. Like I had no idea that Diamond was going through all this. And I guess, as you all know, uh, she ends up winning a WNBA championship with the sky. Uh, so just having watched that documentary, I already loved Diamond. I, I always just like loved her tunnel fits, loved her personality, loved that she rode with the White Sox. Uh, but yeah, uh, Chris, uh, your thoughts? Watching Diamond play in 2020, it was clear that there was something going on, and it was an it was an odd season for so many reasons. Just getting the season started, figuring out where to play, how the games would go, how to house the players, and it it seemed like the Sky as a team. Pull your mic closer. It seemed like the Sky as a team were making the most of it. They had their group. They were taking bike rides to games and the practices. But, you know, Diamond wasn't the player that she had been in 2019. And the only thing that had been told to anybody was that she had this knee injury. And James and I were communicating. This was about when we started the Skyhook on that 2020 season. It was, it was hard to figure out what was going on. And then when she came, uh, she left the, the wobble with Azrae Stevens, I think with about a month to go in the season. And when she came back next year... We figured maybe there was some lingering effects, but things would be good to go as the start of the season. But it was clear she wasn't the same player she was in 2019. Yeah. And there was some, you know, dis- I think not dissension, but disagreement between James and myself about what was going on, about how her play had, if her play had changed or if there was something still that she was still recovering from. And not to James' discredit at all. I think he was going with what we got from the team, which was that she was good to go. But the way she was playing, how she looked, you could tell there was something just not right. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew this wasn't, she wasn't fully healthy. So I wasn't surprised when the story came out, when the documentary came out. And I wasn't surprised about what Diamond said because she has had a tumultuous career even before she got to the NBA, starting out in North Carolina, then sitting out a season, going to Tennessee. And along with that came so many expectations, but she is a player who stands apart you know she has people that she is good with her people Kalia Copper on the court her friends uh, Lexi Brown but I think she still has a a sense of individualism where she has to maintain that so when she said that it would be used against her you know it's almost unfathomable for me for us to think about how somebody would say a tumor on your spine could be used against your, your play or what you're willing to do. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised because I think Diamond, for as much as she has been lionized as the future of the franchise when she came here, I remember the first, one of the first games I went to that season in 2019, Maggie Hendricks straight out told Tony Gill, she is going to be the MVP one day. And I wanted to say, it's like, you know, let's give her some time. But the way she played, you could see it. It stuck out all over her. So for this to happen, I wasn't surprised. I'm hopeful, doubly now, that she can get a fresh start in Phoenix and get away from any questions that dogged her and the memories of those last two seasons rehabbing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, And I think like a lot of fans just in retrospect, uh, really just look upon that 2021 season and just go, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, She was dealing with all of that uh, and somehow like just, yeah, just found this great success. Uh, But yeah, I think uh, after I I was pretty sad when she was I found out she was traded, although there were kind of some whispers that uh, she was probably not going to come back. 
to to the sky, uh, which I understood too. But uh, yeah, uh, like you, I'm hoping that she can get a fresh start uh, with the Mercury. Uh, she's going to get a, a brand new, just a slate of a teammates, uh, new people she can play with, uh, people that, uh, yeah, she can kind of uh, build that chemistry with. Uh, so I wish nothing but the best for Diamond in the future. And uh, yeah, I, I, I miss her though. I, I, I do miss her. There was a moment in the, the playoff game in 2019 against Phoenix that Diamond made a block on a Dewana Bonner layup attempt on the mm-hmm. full court, just a, a one on, basically one-on-one fast break. And it was almost a mirror image of a play that happened in, with the Bulls in 1991, and some people remember this. Whoa, um, that's a throwback. Oh, yeah, the Pistons had this fast break, I think, with uh, Mark Aguirre, and Scotty Pip, uh, John Paxson is running down the court to try and stop the ball. Pippen waves him away, and he jumps and looks like he comes out of the rafters. And on the same play, Dewana Bonner was out ahead. Allie Quigley comes to try and um, slower momentum. Diamond runs from the weak side, just from Dewana's right, and it looks like she was just dropped off a parachute. And it looked like she was just going to keep going up and up and up when she jumped to block this. And I remember thinking then, Next year is going to be Diamond's year. You know, little did we know at the end of 2019 what was coming. And, you know, little did any of us know what she was going to be dealing with. But I, I want to see her reach those heights. I want Maggie to be right, even if it's not for the sky. I think she has all the potential. Um, she has the temperament for it. It just, you know, the time was right, I think, to part ways. And I hope that she can help Phoenix, especially with the absence of Brittany Griner, um, keep if not just keep on track, be a quality team in the WNBA this season. Right. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about that game we both saw on a Friday. Uh, so that, here is the Sky versus Sparks recap. Uh, the Sky lost 98-91. Uh, so uh, Courtney Vandersloot said in the postgame presser, we scored 91 points. You think that would be enough to win? And I agree with her. You would think so. Uh, but anyway, uh, before we get into the bad, let's go ahead and talk about the good first. Let's talk about what's good. All right. I, I, I feel as if that, like, like, like this definitely was the Dana Evans game. Oh, it, it was. Like it, like it definitely was. Uh, so uh, she's known for her tunnel fits. Uh, and just ability to ball out. Uh, anyway, uh, her great her great performance includes included 24 points, uh, five assists, four steals, uh, 53% shooting percentage. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, Dana certainly had a game. So uh, she was also the subject of a very controversial foul uh, that was drawn. Uh, let's see, when did that happen? It happened in the third quarter, I believe. Oh, the foul. The foul was or actually the yeah, it was right okay. at the end of the game. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the James Wade technical, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, Dana was, if, if not for that call, and if not for what we're going to talk about later, the turnovers, that is the Dana Evans coming out party for sure. She missed only one of her eight field goal attempts in the, se- in the third quarter. She pretty much single-handedly reversed the momentum. Los Angeles went into the break leading 42-39. And I think she only missed a three from the, from the left wing. Otherwise, she hit a couple of jump shots, a runner in the lane that nearly capped off the quarter, uh, going over Liz Cambage on that shot. Yeah. Uh, she was working well with Candace Parker, who was in that quarter. And it was, you know, it was a team effort because Anneli Maley came in and provided some very much-needed defense and energy. 
but Dana Evans was working on the fast break and in half and in half court. And she just looked so unstoppable that third quarter. Absolutely, yeah. She was specifically being aggressive, driving with the ball. Uh, for a while, she was single-handedly lifting uh, the Sky's three-point percentage. Yeah. Uh, and so her four steals are actually a career high. Uh, this was actually the first game uh, she actually started. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, quick side note about Dana. Uh, she actually became the first NBA or WNBA player that has won a championship in Chicago to sign with Jordan Brand since uh, – Guess who? Uh, <laughs> who? Who was the last player to, 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 to do so? The, is, my, is this a trick question? It is not a trick question. <laughs> I'm well, going to well, go with it, Mike. I'm yeah, Mike. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, she is the first Chicago uh, basketball player to sign the Jordan brand since Michael himself. So I think that that speaks that, that that's a huge testament there uh, that uh, her talent is getting recognized. And uh, yeah, Coach Wade also had a lot of things to say about Dana at the presser. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that's actually when that quote about it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And so uh, Coach Wade also said that uh, Dana reminded uh, him a lot of uh, that, that she reminded him a lot of him. Uh, which I thought was a really interesting quote uh, because I think someone followed up with Dana and uh, asked if uh, she thought that was true. Uh, so <laughs> I remember there was, I mean, for a loss, there were so many good quotes after that. Um, oh, oh it was about the chip on her shoulder. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think, I know she said for sure she just wanted to, uh, of that game, she wanted to come out and play like Dana, which was uh, funny kind of, coincidental that was a very diamond to shields type thing to say mm -hmm. and not that Dana's replacing diamond I think she has a very similar focus and and let's be real any professional athlete especially professional basketball player is going to have you have to have that ego to succeed in the league to some degree but it was very palpable in the way that she played in the first half and in the second half um, that she wants to put out this year show who she can be and it was visible last year, even in limited playtime when mm -hmm. she might not finish games. We could James and I looked at each other when we said the sky found their backup point guard. Now she said she wants to be the best guard in the league, and it's her time to prove it. There's no time like the present, especially in the WNBA, where as we've seen, roster spots are at a premium. Absolutely, and she she definitely said in the post game presser that she's not worried too much about offense. Uh, that she's de definitely focusing on defense, and she's working on being Dana. She she wants to play like Dana, which uh, says says so. It, it on surface level, it doesn't seem like it's saying a lot, but it's also saying so much at the same time. Yeah. Um, that she's definitely making a brand for herself. Uh, she's definitely just uh, yeah putting her full personality just out on the court, and I think that's wonderful. And yeah, you mentioned how she seemed to have no problem with uh, uh, Liz Cambage, uh, who's uh, six eight, and <laughs> Dana is like five six. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that definitely shows uh, some real talent there. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, just. Thinking about Dana, uh, that that was one of the great points of that game. Uh, some other great observations uh, you saw at, uh, on fr from Friday's game. Definitely, as I said, Annalie Maley, um, when she was inserted in the third quarter, she brought a much-needed defensive effort. The Sky were having trouble losing Lexi Brown on uh, pick and rolls at the elbow. And when Maley came in, it was clear the directive was stick to Lexi. Yeah. And she did. She came through screens. Uh, she was playing really good help defense. 
She had a couple of steals in the third quarter. And in the fourth, she had a steal and was re- rewarded on the offensive end with a, with a short jump shot that I think stretched the sky's lead at that time to five. So, you know, as, as it came down, there was a point where I think Maley uh, had played a bit too long and couldn't sub out. Mm. As Ray Stevens had had a lot of time on the floor, and James Wade referenced that, where he said he should have subbed better. Yeah. But Maley was definitely, definitely a bright spot. And with the roster, she was one of the last few uh, players waived at the end of training camp, but came back on hardship. So he pointed out in the press conference that she was MVP in Australia because of that motor, because she never stops going. And it's going to be a decision as, as the time moves on when Allie Quigley comes off of the injured list and Kalia Copper and Rebecca Gardner and uh, Lee Uri come in camp. You know, how do you juggle these rosters? Which players do you keep on? How do you utilize them? And a player like Maley at her size and her position might be somebody who is an X factor for the sky uh, going forward this year who could spell multiple positions. Mm-hmm. We have a friend of the pod, Sky Show, hey. uh, said uh, Dana and Julie Alleman can absolutely work together uh, with the whole team's back bench mob. And so this was actually something that was brought up in the press game um, that uh, if, if chemistry is still a work in progress with this team. Uh, so like you mentioned, uh, Yaru, uh, Rebecca Gardner uh, is uh, being activated uh, and uh, Kayla Davis was, was waived earlier today. Uh, and of course, too, we're still waiting on Julie. Uh, Ka is coming back as well. Uh, but of course, uh, James Wade said, I, I have to, ha- I have to do a better job of getting our players out and being able to be fresh at the end of games. It's going to take a minute to get the rhythm and chemistry building. It's a work on progress. The one constant is me and I can do a better job. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely an issue there where a lot of these players, uh, haven't really played many games together. And then that's just kind of the truth there. But, uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, time seems like it, it's the uh, at least the short-term cure and well, I guess long-term uh, cure as well. Uh, so yeah, do you agree that uh, that that chemistry uh, was off on Friday? There were some points. I think fatigue plays plays into that. Um, and there was the last turnover of the fourth quarter for the well, the second to last turnover of the fourth quarter for the sky where they had a three-point lead, had to inbound the ball, and Candace Parker went the wrong way on the inbounds. Yeah. And that gave Los Angeles uh, possession, led to the three-shot foul for Jordan Canada. So you could see some chemistry issues playing in there. And even before the fourth quarter, which where they had seven turnovers, and they finished with 25 for the game, it wasn't the cleanest performance from them. They were having some trouble on defensive rotations. And uh, Los Angeles had some success uh, jamming baseline screens where the Sky were successful in the first quarter. And like I said, the pick mm-hmm. and rolls and losing right. Lexi Brown and Brittany Sykes and other shooters at the three-point line. So that'll take some time to work on chemistry, um, having different players on the floor and knowing how to work together on defense, who's switching, who's hedging, and also working together offensively. Um, I don't know if you saw the same thing. It looked like it took some time for Emma Mieseman to get in the game offensively, mm-hmm. where she looked a bit unsure um, was playing a lot of back-to-the-basket, looking for passes rather than uh, maybe getting penetration and then um, drawing a double team, yeah. which is something that she's very, very good at. So I think some time will be needed, especially, again, when Ka comes in camp, when Julie Aleman comes in camp, to build that chemistry because the Sky, we know, have an incredibly talented team. But the way that they played on Friday and they came within six seconds of winning was not their best. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And one thing that I realized was uh, there was plenty of passing uh, that uh, they were playing very self selflessly, uh, not a lot of selfish playing, uh, which uh, at face value seems like that would be a good thing. But I think that was actually working against them. I noticed that uh, there was one time where a Sloot was trying to shoot uh, or, or set up Azure in a play and it failed. Uh, and they actually attempted it one more time, like a, a few moments after, and it, it seemed to be successful. But other than that, uh, yeah, it, it definitely seemed as if uh, there was a little bit of a disconnect there, uh, just with all these, uh, like lots of passing, uh, very sloppy shooting, sloppy possessions, uh, just bad passes eventually just are, are what did the sky in. But now let's talk about the foul that was heard around oh, the world. Man. Uh, so a questionable call in the fourth quarter that fouled Dana Evans and allowed Jordan Canada to go to the line for three free throws. Uh, and that changed the entire aspect of the game. A after that happened, it seemed as if the vibe just continued to deteriorate. Uh, it was just ugly. Uh, so in the postgame presser, uh, Coach Wade mentioned that, uh, yeah, he was not uh, he was not happy with the call at all. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, your thoughts on that awful, awful call? <laughs> well, uh, he, I, I believe the, he said that it was uh, BS and ridiculous in, in yes. so many words. He, uh, he might have been also referring to his technical, too, but yes, yeah, he was talking just, about yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a foul. You know, we, we saw the replay in, in the stadium after the call, and the referees reviewed it, but we realized that they were reviewing to see whether it was a two shot foul or a three shot foul, right. And it wasn't a foul. Dana Evans uh, might have gotten some young player treatment in that case. And credit to Jordan Canada for playing a, an incredibly good game with, in her first game with her new team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she looked great. Yeah. She came down, got in position, and kind of forced the referees to either swallow their whistle or make a call. They decided to make a call. But as we all saw, Dana played played defense until they, she got to the line. And then when Canada jumped, she pulled her hands down and got away from the play as much as she could. She didn't mm -hmm. undercut Canada. She didn't have her hands near the ball. She didn't have her hands near the body. So really, it wasn't a foul. And you know that was a play to draw a foul rather than to hit a shot. Jordan Canada is not a three-point shooter. She was just trying to make a play. And I think it says something for her that the ball was even in her hands at that point, even with her being the speediest player on mm -hmm. Los Angeles. So the sky got jobbed in that sense. They and did. I think Courtney and Coach Wade both said the five extra minutes with how fatigued they were really killed off the game. Yeah, so uh, Coach Wade said after the game, uh, we had a meeting with the referee chief and they told us that throwing your body into shots, uh, yeah, that's uh, apparently, they, 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 <laughs> that's the conclusion they came in, that they came to. You just got to move on. We had the chance to close the game out. Throwing your body into shots drew the foul. He also said, how can people see and do this for a living and call that? It's ridiculous. It's my life, you guys, story of my life. So I just got to deal with it. It just makes us stronger. Uh, it's BS because we, we put in work. Uh, stuff like that has no place in our league. Everybody saw that. That wasn't a foul. She threw her body forward, but she, referring to Dana Evans, didn't touch her, Canada. It's just going to make us stronger. I think he said that three or three times. Uh, and so maybe that's true. I, I know adversity generally uh, just makes 
makes you stronger. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he definitely uh, took responsibility uh, for the loss, I feel. Um, I don't know. Uh, do, do you feel as if that's an accurate assessment? Do you think uh, Coach Wade is to blame? Uh, or like, do you think that uh, there are other variables at hand here? Oh, there's never one one thing or the other in a basketball game, save for uh, maybe the maybe the Los Angeles Chicago or the Las Vegas Chicago game from a few years ago, in which James Wade also uh, it was him <laughs> versus the refs, and I think that might be what he was thinking about when he said it's the story of my life, and maybe during his playing days he had a lot of run-ins with refs too, but the. The fatigue and the substitutions, the fact that there were people who weren't available, who normally would be, to take pressure off other players. You know, I'm not going to put it all, I can't put it all on his shoulders. I, right. I really can't. If the referees don't make a call, the sky win. And they don't even need 91 points to win at that point. They need 88. But at the same time, some of those turnovers that they made were early in the game when people were still relatively fresh. Those are things they can't do. Los Angeles is going to be a quality defensive team. Brittany right. Sykes is great on help defense. She is. Jordan Canada is great on ball defense. Liz can alter shots. Um, they had people coming uh, in the game who stuck with those defensive principles. And they're in kind of a put-up or shut-up season two with Liz and with Derek Fisher. So they played hard. You know, you can't say more. You can't discredit Los Angeles at all for not playing a full game at the same time. I think that the sky come out with a win. If substitutions are different, if Ezra Stevens has a little more time on the bench earlier, um, if Ruthie Hebert comes in the game um, in, different, in different stretches, and I'm not the coach, mm -hmm. I, I can't substitute. Right. <laughs> but I think he had a point uh, in both of his points about the refereeing and about um, himself and how he managed the game. Yeah, um, talk, let's talk a little bit about Azure. Uh So I, I, I managed to actually watch uh, a shoot around before the game started. Uh, she, she seemed to be uh, Candace's shadow, just kind of following Candace around, uh, just taking shots together. I, I thought that was very sweet and uh, also uh, very fun to watch. Also, too, uh, I was kind of fangirling a little bit. Um, I walk in uh, through the tunnel and I'm there for less than 30 seconds, and boom, I see Candace Parker and Azaray Stevens. Uh, in, internally, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my right. God. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, she her first she she really was the leading scorer in the fourth quarter. I had four rebounds. It looked as if she was about to get a double double, uh, but then uh, I noticed that she was kind of cooling off too. Uh, and with 7:21 left in the fourth, uh, I actually said aloud uh, to Zach, who was sitting next to me, that she was cooling off. And then she managed to get a shot in the paint. So uh, you're welcome, Z. Thank you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned Ruthie Hebert. Uh, she got some points off the bench. Um, I think uh, Sparkle Taylor uh, was yes. able to penet penetrate through some screens well. Uh, Candace Parker was doing Candace Parker things, of course. Uh, she was named player of the game. Uh, and also, too, with a three at the 8.03 mark of the third quarter, she became the second WNBA player to ever to reach 6,000 career points. Uh, 3,000 career rebounds and four, 1,400 career assists. And uh, goodness, uh, <laughs> we, I mean, it, it's not every day that you get to watch a WNBA legend play right in front of you. Um, so a little side note about Candace. Uh, there are rumors that she might retire after, that, after yeah. this season. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about that? I think that it's, it's time for a lot of players not to, not to retire, so to speak, but... Look, look at 
what they've done in their career, what they've had to go through and examine. I was saying that it was a possibility or at least something that Steph Dolson could think about with what she had accomplished in her career, college champion, um, Olympic champion, and now WNBA champion. She ended up going to the New York Liberty. Uh, but Candace has done the same and more, won a championship at Tennessee, played for one of the greatest coaches ever, mm-hmm. uh, won a championship in the WNBA and now a second one in her own backyard, won at the Olympics, uh, is a television presence, and just got married again, had a baby. All of these things where you have to consider your life right, yeah. outside of basketball. So I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be hurt at all if Candace retires after this season I would feel a lot better if the Sky <laughs> win consecutive championships and then she retires, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think it's something that she could easily decide and be okay with. Hmm. All right. We got an interesting question from Sky Show. Uh, should we abandon the Z Emma Ace lineup on Wednesday or still test it out? Hmm. I guess this is a great segue uh, to our preview for the New York Liberty game. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I think at this point, uh, this team is, like we mentioned before, still feeling out uh, things on the chemistry side. Uh, But seeing as how this is the regular season, uh, we definitely want our best players to be starting. Um, I don't know. I I, I actually think, like, especially Dana has proved that she belongs uh, at at least in a starting role. Uh, But what are your thoughts on that? It's tough to say. And I mean, always with the personnel, the good personnel questions. I see you, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the toughest thing that the Sky will have to think about is not necessarily Sabrina Ionescu. It really isn't. She is a great player in her own right. But the Liberty have Jocelyn Willoughby back and yes. Natasha Howard, and they are excellent defensive players, and Willoughby is a great defender on the wing. So they don't necessarily have um, the greatest size, They have Natasha Howard and Steph Dolson, who will probably play some time together. But I think if that lineup is mobile, and it is, Z was very, very good running baseline screens. And she got a lot of field goals from the uh, what's called in the NBA the dunker spot, that like low box, uh, the launch pad, whatever you want to call it. She got a lot of uh, plays there that either led to field goals, fouls, or foul shots, or both. Yeah. And the Sky should be able to um, take advantage of that with those baseline screens. And I think they could do a lot – with a big lineup on the floor if they have uh, Dana, some combination of Dana, Sparkle Taylor, and Courtney on at the same time. Uh, but Nigel Laney didn't play for the Liberty in their opening game. I'm not sure if she'll be back in time for this Wednesday. I haven't, I haven't seen any news. But I think that lineup will work. The difference will be if they can attack Willoughby or get her in foul trouble because that will be key. All right, so uh, I did notice that, yeah, you mentioned Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, yeah, she has been looking really great lately. Uh, so uh, she looked really fantastic in the, in the Liberty's last game. Uh, so at this point, though, uh, yeah, uh, she's one of the players that this guy should definitely uh, watch out for. Um, yeah, and uh, what else do you think is going to be at stake here? Well, as, as you like to say, Janice, it was the Lexi Brown revenge game. Is yes. it the Steph Dolson revenge game? Right, right, right. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and she also really uh, – I looked at her stat line from uh, the last game, and I think she played like 23 minutes and only posted four points uh, and three rebounds. Uh, so ooh, it was kind of a little bit lackluster. I mean, I, I didn't see her play, um, but I'm just g- g- gathering from that stat line. It didn't seem all that great. 
Well, Steph is a player, especially at this stage of her career, she's not going to be a 10 or 12-point scorer a night, especially with the, the players that we mentioned. Uh, Natasha Howard is, is shooting threes now. Yeah, she, yeah. She took seven seven threes and made mm-hmm. three of them. And Sabrina's shooting really well, too. I think last year uh, she might have averaged, I think, 12 points a game, and she put up 22 uh I, I, it's around 22 points uh, yeah. in, in that last game. She's fully. She should be fully healthy. So Steph's real role on um, teams on this Liberty team is as a shot alterer in the paint and a screener. She's mm-hmm. one of the top two screeners, if not the best screener in the WNBA. Absolutely. And that frees up that freed up Allie Quigley in the sky for three point shots a lot when she was on the floor. And she's just a player I think who can work with a lot of different people. So. One for pick and roll with Sabrina uh, will work really well. Uh, she had a put back off of a miss in that game against um, the, of Con- Connecticut at home, and that's what she does. She plays cleanup. She works well in pick and roll. And if you need a release play at the end of the game and you have Steph Dolson on the floor, as Sky fans know very well, mm-hmm. she will be available. She can make those shots under pressure. So. She's not going to be a 10-6 and six type player anymore, but she'll make plays when it counts, when the team is going right. Yeah, yeah. So I think defense is definitely going to be a crucial aspect of the Sky's game. So Sky Show asks, do you think the Sky get better defensively when Ka returns? Is it really all on Ka's shoulders? And I think Sabrina and I have discussed this on earlier episodes where uh, just even like looking at stat lines from the preseason games, uh, okay, like we were okay uh, with losing games in the preseason because it's right. the preseason. It right. doesn't matter. But the thing is, though, uh, do the Sky have an issue with depth? Like, say, like, like Sky Show mentioned, like, is it really all on Ka's shoulders? I mean, uh, do we need more defensive parity around here? I don't think so necessarily. She'll be a great point of, of attack defender, but the Sky showed that they have defenders who can work. Uh, Azra Stevens is a great help side defender. Absolutely. Um, Annalie Maley showed what she can do defensively. Absolutely, as yeah. a rover and on-ball defender. Dana Evans was working very well. She had to go up against Jordan Canada, who is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. But she held her own, and when the Sky had to take Canada off the floor and came in with Ray Burrell uh, or anybody else off the bench at the lead guard spot, um, Kennedy Carter, Dana Evans was making things happen. I. I don't know the plus minus on Kennedy Carter, but it was not positive. And a lot of that was to do with Dana Evans disrupting the uh, flow of the offense for Los Angeles. So it's not, on, it's not all on Ka's shoulders, no. But the sky will be better defensively when she's back. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of coming back, I've been having so much fun that I actually forgot to do our ad read. Oh, uh, so I'm going to do that right now. Yeah, so this, this is like the most awkward transition. But anyway, uh, the best way to support CHGO, uh, which is the venue in which you are listening to this wonderful podcast, is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you get two risk-free free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll 
even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Uh, the CHGO Sky shirt, by the way, is super dope. I, I, I love it. It is a great design. And uh, yeah, saw a couple of folks at the game wearing it, actually. Uh, Herb Lawrence uh, looking absolutely mm-hmm. dapper in his, his bright blue shirt. So thanks for showing out, Herbie. Uh, that's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. And now, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all for from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet, live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Now what the heck were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we if we're going back on the defensive front, I think there's going to be a lot of parity in the league as mm-hmm. overall this year. A lot of players change teams, and so the Sky's defense might be a bit up and down. I think the turnovers were the most issue, like we talked about. There were 25 turnovers, as yes. pointed out by Annie. And seven of those came in that critical fourth quarter. Yeah. And I think all of those seven came after the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter, too. So the Sky got their lead and then wasted it because they couldn't hold on to the ball. So that is the most, I think that's the greater point of discussion. Absolutely. Uh, So one other thing, just going back to the Sparks game, uh, the Sparks ended up shooting 33 free throws. Uh, That is a lot of free throws. And as Sloot mentioned in the postgamer, that is too many easy baskets we can eliminate. Uh, Clean that up and we have ourselves a ball game. And yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, So uh, we're definitely hoping for a little bit more of a cleaner matchup uh, with the Liberty on Wednesday. And so Chris, will you be in attendance uh, in Wednesday's game? I actually cannot make that game. I have a prior engagement, but um, James of course will be there and I'm trying to get my man Josh Hicks to that game. Um, If if y'all see Josh, he will talk to you. If Janice, if you see Josh, he will talk to you. He is the most outgoing person that I've seen in the Chicago sports scene. But I will be following that game as best I can, even if I'm not there, because it not only is a critical game after a first game loss, it's the first game of the Commissioner's Cup for the Sky this season. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah. And so uh, for those uh, for our listeners uh, who might not know, what is the Commissioner's Cup? Well, the Commissioner's Cup is a in-season tournament for the WNBA where each team, uh, the first game of the season that they play, an in-conference opponent. So um, anybody in the East for the Sky, uh, the Liberty had their first one against Connecticut in their first game. And the teams with the two best records in either conference play in the Commissioner's Cup game following the All-Star break. And there is uh, monetary prizes at stake for each team. I'm not sure of the full purse but uh, shares goes to the shares go to the winning team and to the losing team as well. Now there was a bit of um, follow up to that of, of how much was going to which players on the winning side. The Seattle Storm won uh, last year over the Connecticut Sun, but I think a greater share went to players who started the game uh, rather than the players who were on the team. So there was a bit of controversy. So it'll be interesting to see how the league rectifies that. But I mean, if you have some more money at stake, um, some more prestige to play for which is what the W is trying to go for, kind of enticing players to stay over um, domestic the uh, all season long rather than play overseas. It's important to watch. Wow. Yeah, that is, yeah, um, that that really raises the stakes, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I mean, it's, it's already important because 
the sky at the top, everybody's gunning for them, and the Liberty will be better. They have uh, Sabrina at full health. They have Nigel Laney, a former side player, who has really come into her own. And with Steph going over, like we talked about, right. it's, you know, the conferences don't matter as much in the W as they used to, but there's a longer playoff format now. And as I said, pretty much all of the teams, save for a few, got better. So all of these games, except for a few, are going to be tests. Ooh, goodness, yes. Uh, so I definitely will be uh, at Wednesday's game, so I am really looking forward to that. And, of course, too, uh, if you see uh, myself, definitely feel free to say hi. I would love to meet all of our loyal listeners. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, just having to attend WNBA games in person uh, and just attending as uh, just more from a journalist standpoint rather than a fan. That's also something else I'm getting used to as well. Yeah. And so uh, I was actually just like, because I, you know, I'm covering, I'm like, do I show up in sky gear? Because when I covered the White Sox, that was a huge no-no. If you're a beat reporter, you like are neutral. You just have to stay like completely uh, plain clothes, uh, completely just blend in, uh, you know, but uh, I, I was thinking like maybe WNBA rules might be a little bit different, uh, but but I, I played it safe, though. I, yeah, <laughs> I think that's the thing. Um, James comes in a suit and he is probably the most stylish person that I know. She <laughs> so. is. She is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She had like this really great like black blazer and like uh, just really great boots, too. Uh, so when I met her for the first time, I was like, oh, my goodness, like you are. <laughs> You are like a supermodel. You are wonderful. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and I come, I pretty much would come to games wearing this uh, because sometimes I was riding the train and it was just hot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's the same thing. You try to stay away from gear. I've talked to James about this a lot. We can be fans of the team in the WNBA, but you know, we, we outwardly show it um, as little as possible and, and not at the arena. I do have my Elena Deladon MVP t-shirt somewhere back home that I pull out when I go to the basketball court. That's that's the most that's the most dressed up I get to play basketball. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is wonderful. Um, yeah, well, uh, that pretty much does it for today's show. Uh, but uh, just as a reminder, uh, we definitely would like to compel you to be a CHGO member, as we have podcasts and live shows on every team every day. Uh, so uh, we've definitely uh, ramped up the initiative to especially cover women's sports. Uh, so we actually did uh, add a new Chicago Red Stars podcast. I'm so excited. Which I am so excited. Uh, the ladies from Southside Trap are hosting that podcast. Uh, so really, Claire Watkins. Yeah, a couple years ago. Claire, yeah, Claire Watkins and San. Sandra Herrera, uh, whom I actually met at a Sky game last nice. year. She introduced herself to me. Uh, so uh, really great to have them as part of the family. Uh, so post-game shows, a premium written content from members at allchgo.com, dope merch for all teams, as we mentioned before, and a free shirt when you become a member, and also access to a members-only discount, discount, Discord, there are no discounts, <laughs> called the CHGO Lounge. So come on and chop it up with us. It's going to be a great time. So uh, yeah, you can definitely follow the CHGO Sky podcast on Twitter. Uh, the handle is CHGO underscore Sky. Uh, you can follow me if you do so choose. Uh, my handle is at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-R. -R. I, I don't know how to spell my own last name. S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, and yeah, uh, Chris, where might people be able to find you, your work, and everything else you do? 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. Uh, Bradley University Improv. It's a whole long story, but that's my Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, of course, follow the Skyhook Pod for all things Chicago Sky. James and I are going to be recording at least twice a week this summer. The Skyhook Pod on Twitter. And yeah, I mean, if you want to follow me, just know that you'll also be getting some Furious White Sox content and some political musings as well. But that's where you can find me. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone who follows me knows that I at least uh, completely rupture a blood vessel at least once a week complaining about the White Sox. Uh, so uh, th- that's just kind of a part of our culture at this point. It is. You're a Chicago <laughs> sports fan. You're going to be upset because this is what we have. We have so many things in the city, but sports is so near and dear to us. So expect <laughs> that we're going to care. Absolutely. And nothing like a, a comforting uh, Italian beef or Chicago style hot dog or slice of deep dish pizza afterwards. Chicken tenders. <laughs> if you're at Wintrust, get the chicken tenders if you go. I can attest to the chicken tenders. They're pretty good. Like definitely worth waiting 20, 25 minutes in line for. <laughs> All right. That's our show, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week.